This is the Accidental Safety Pro brought to you by Vivid Learning Systems and the Health and Safety Institute. This is episode number 49. My name is Jill James, Vivid's Chief Safety Officer, and today I'm joined by Dr. Todd Lusheen, my friend of a quarter century. Holy cow. And Todd was also our guest for episode number seven at the beginning of this podcast journey. Todd is professor at the University of Whitewater, Wisconsin in the Occupational Safety Degree Program and is also the vice president of the Council for Professional Development for the ASSP. So I decided to ask Todd back because, well, you know, we've been friends for a long time, but also that means we're collaborators. We talk often. Um, we, we share ideas with one another and lately the thing that we've been talking about is professional development and where as professionals, we can be spending our time in the age of so many options and maybe what should we be expecting to get out of professional development and like, what does it really mean? So as Todd and I are having this conversation today, uh, we both want you to know that these are our personal opinions and the opinions that we're sharing, um, certainly as Todd wants us to know, doesn't reflect his position at the university or with the ASSP, rather things that he and I talk about um, as cohorts and friends um, and have been for the last 25 years. So welcome to the show, Todd. Thanks, Jill. And you were really kind. You didn't ask me. I've been begging you for weeks to do this. So just so everybody knows. <laughs> there, was no, there was no begging involved. <laughs> there was no begging involved. <laughs> but thanks for, thanks for coming back. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Uh, and, you know, and, and um, kudos to you as well, because uh, this whole podcast thing was actually born in your brain and uh, was an idea that you brought, you brought to me um, almost two years ago now. So thank you. Wow. Yeah, of course. I'm glad it's been so successful for you and for Vivid. Yeah, we, you know, we have a really, we have a really big following. Our producer, Will, could tell us the numbers, but we have a really big following. So thank you so much to everyone who follows the podcast. Mm -hmm. So Todd, today, professional development, um, maybe we should start kind of at the beginning and define it. And um, what is professional development and why, as safety and health professionals, do we really need it? I mean, and that's what we should be talking about, just because there, I mean, you and I had spoken offline um, that there are too many options, I think, right now, that uh, uh, it's kind of difficult to organize or to um, kind of understand where people are in the whole mix. And so let's try to detangle um, this web yeah. and uh, begin with. I believe how I would define professional development would be career dedicated learning. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I, it, when you learn something, the process of learning is a, a conscious effort to somehow either augment or change your um, knowledge, skills, and abilities. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, we all have limited time. We have limited money mm-hmm. to dedicate to that. And so therefore, we have to be very um, judicious with our plans, you know, with our career, where do we want our career to go or how do we want to become um, an expert in a particular area to which, you know, occupational safety and health has many. Um, but at the same time, we want to be better at our jobs. We want to advance our careers. And mm-hmm. 
Therefore, let's 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 dig into this and find out um, what what sort of recommendations or our, our own experiences or those we've borrowed could we give to your listeners so that maybe they could start taking measure a measured approach to their right. own professional development. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so as we as we go through this episode, Todd, maybe let's let's throw out some questions to listeners. So as as people are listening to this over time. Um, they can be thinking and interacting with um, with our community. We have a Facebook group for the podcast, and we share this on LinkedIn and lots of other social platforms. But it would be interesting to hear um, our listeners' views and feedback on this as well. As we as we said in the beginning, these are conversations that you and I have. It would be interesting to hear what other people's takes are as well. And so, um, you know, maybe one question. Let's just put out one at a time. Um, you know, would be how much time are are you, uh, our audience, spending um, per year or month or week um, to invest in your professional development, whether that's um, your time or your money or both? Um, that'd be an interesting thing to hear. Yeah. And also, um, what? how do they rate it to? Do they do it by week, by month, you know, biannually, annually? Um, yeah. I, I'm just curious as to what people are doing. I mean, cause someone in my position, I'm continuously professional developing. I'm expected to interact and monitor um, what's going on and then attend different sessions. And I've and so my, my learning is um, it's, it, it is measured, but it's measured by semester basically, mm-hmm. cause that's mm-hmm. the way that's the soup I swim in. Um, but let's, I would, I'm very interested to find out what other people think. Yeah. You know, and, and how does it change over a career as well? So someone who's listening, who's new to the profession versus someone who's been at this for as long as you and I have or longer, how has their professional development changed or their attitudes, you know, even about it? Um, back, you know, 25 years ago when you and I were coworkers with OSHA, if you remember that crazy form we had to fill out every week that Alec that where we had to explain what we did with every 15 minutes of our work week do you remember that I do and there was a piece on there for I don't know if it was called professional development it might have been called professional development or continuous improvement or something like that but there was an allocation where there was an expectation a certain percent of every week was spent on that which is and just crazy to think about, right? It is, but I think it was because we had that, and that was my first job of my career. Yeah. I think it actually put me on a path to desire um, professional development, continuous learning. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it really it was mm-hmm. it was my experiences both within doing the job, but also they really heavily promoted us to seek out, go to conferences, speak at conference, go to meetings, mm-hmm. um, to join the professional groups and engage. And it was through that that drove me, you know, that was one of the um, initiators of me thinking about going to graduate school. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I'm i indebted to um, OSHA, Minnesota OSHA, their leaders for promoting that. Yeah. I, you know, I agree with that because you actually had to reflect on it every week when you filled out that report. Like, yeah. what did I do? Did I do anything? Yes. Yeah, is interesting. So we were we were talking at the beginning that there's so many options right now in our in our wider world. Um and you know, what does that mean for us? And so maybe maybe 
Todd, do you want to run through what some of the options are for professional development right now? Sure. And kind of the messaging and around that. Yeah. Yeah. Can I can, um, just please just entertain this for a second? I came yeah. up with um, <laughs> the highest level of professional development would be would be of course pursuing some form of degree. Okay. And I, I'm trying to I tried to break down by rhyming. <laughs> oh wow! What, what the goal is? So here. <laughs> Just, you know, <laughs> this is good. This, this is the professor in you. Yep. Mm-hmm. So an associate's degree is to become an earner because it's oh. teaching you what you need to do. A bachelor of science degree, you became a learner. So that and that's really the what I'm focusing on when I teach undergrads is to try to develop their learning techniques. So, you know, when they get their degree, that's not the end. That's the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, a master's degree, you're a discerner. Mm. Which is to say you can kind of judge a little bit more of what you're taking and what you want to take in. Mm-hmm. A PhD, you're a yearner. You want to learn more. You know, you've dedicated your life to it. And once you've gotten near, near the end of your career, you're a returner, which mm. is to, to give back. And this, I call this the elder path, E-L-D-Y-R. Okay, so. <laughs> I love so, it. Geek aside, that's, uh-huh. I, you know, I always come up <laughs> with these weird things to help people remember. Yes. But <laughs> I think it's cool. So let, oh let's talk God, about the, I'm a, Oh my God, I'm a returner. I just realized. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're returners. Well, <laughs> though I skipped over that PhD part. So I'm like, I'm, oh, a, I'm Yeah, it's not a path you have to, you know, it's just different <laughs> designations. But so I'm a maybe. discerning returner. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. So as far as what is offered, and I think there's such, a, let's try to categorize some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, Everything from pursuing a degree. Now, a degree, what it, what is it? And I, we just kind of kind of laid out what the goal is. But it is a, I mean, you almost get into a contract with the instructor. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to cover this stuff, but in a way, I'm going to uh, monitor and review your work and provide you feedback. That is the strongest form. So uh, a, a student is given advantages that an individual learner is not given. But hopefully mm-hmm. going through that experience you you learn what you need um, in order to carry on on your own. So a lot of lot I think most people though are, are seeking out um, education, learning things like that through wh- whether it be um, a conference. So it's like a smorgasbord of um, learning opportunities, um, or a dedicated one day, two day, five day class. You know, with you have an instructor mm-hmm. in there, but again, it, it's it's a limited amount of time. It tends to be face to face. We have a lot of online options now, which puts more onus on the learner mm-hmm. to self uh, monitor, to self document, um, just because you don't have that 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 face to face interaction. Though, depending, I mean, online learning it, it's it's very it's variable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. seek out to get to know each of my students through introduction, mm-hmm. through meetings throughout, and then a meeting at the end. But some, um, they may never really interact with the, with the instructor, which, you know, mm-hmm. th- there's a disadvantage there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and instructional designers would tell us that online learning um, can have that active piece in it, depending very, on how it's developed, right? Exactly. Um, but, but not all of them are dis- designed by instructional designers or in that manner. Yeah. So yeah. it varies. That varies too. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. And, that, and what I'm, what I'm trying to do for everybody is just kind of, uh, breakdown that just when you say, you know, an online class, there are so many different types of online classes. There really right. is. But mm-hmm. be aware, again, there's more onus on the learner versus when you're in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you brought this up, Jill, the active versus passive learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and the listeners may be like, what is he talking about? Um, in order to have active learning, sure, it can be generated by the learner, learner themselves, but the instructor should engage, attempt to engage work uh, their students 
um, in, in order to allow for active learning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so would, can that, so can that happen in your standard presentation at a conference? Right. And mm-hmm. I, and, and, and I'm going to try to put this in a different context and that is yeah. how people practice safety. Are okay. you an active participant or are you a passive participant? Are you just throwing stuff out there without any sort of acknowledgement or pre-work or measurement or follow-up? Um, oh, and there's another thing I've been teaching, and that is yesterday safety, today safety, tomorrow safety. Not mm. you know calendar-wise, actual today, tomorrow. Yeah. But um, what what did you expect yesterday, um, and can you measure it as far as were you successful today? What can you do today in order to um, collect tomorrow. And so, and then also what have you learned? So there's like the reflection of today, the yeah. look back at yesterday and the, what am I doing today to get into tomorrow? Right. So, I mean, and that can be as, as simple or complex as an audit, right? Right. That's done with frequency. Right. To but be able you, to look at yesterday and today and tomorrow. Yeah. And the, and yeah. What, what I'm really leaning toward is one is reflection two is learning um and that is you know if you do an audit but you do nothing with it Mm -hmm. it wasn't worth it Mm -hmm. if you go to a class and you don't really document what you've learned or reflect on it or whatever what have you gained Mm -hmm. there should be a measurable change you know, mm-hmm. a, whether whether it's a plan, whether it's a verification of what you already knew and so you can keep doing it, there has to be something. And I just get worried that um, people wander into, you know, three-day class, five-day class, wander into a webinar, wander into something, and it's passive. I'm here and I'm hoping things, you know, um, get into my brain, but without a dedicated conscious effort, is it really and without some form of um, evaluation from a mentor, coach, advisor, is there anything gained? Yeah. And if we really want to become professionals, if we really want to develop ourselves, advance ourselves in our careers, become the returner, um, it needs to be a dedicated effort and it should be something that's measurable. Mm-hmm. And so you had mentioned reflection being you know, critical. What was the other reflection versus what was the other, what was the other side of that? Um, learning. Learning, yeah. 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 So if you're engaged in active learning and you spend time reflecting, then would the assumption be that that you're that the knowledge is transferring? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. it's what you're doing when you're reflecting is you're you're putting within the context of your experience um, or or where you would apply it. So you're comparing and contrasting mm-hmm. in many ways you're discerning. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it, that's something that you have to dedicate to. It doesn't happen naturally unless you're someone like me who's a freak who is required to do that all the time. <laughs> right. You know, so. and, and, I, and I understand that. So sometimes <laughs> it's difficult to talk about this stuff because, you know, people are really busy. Again, they're so focused on getting done what they're getting done. But yeah. it's almost like, um, you know, sharpening. <laughs> We're both from the meatpacking area. Yes. You, you got to sharpen the knife. It makes the cut mm-hmm. easier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so, so they should be so, sharpening their knives. Yeah. So let's dig into that reflection piece just a little bit more. So if someone is listening and said, okay, so I, I, I went to this thing, you know, I listened to a talk, I took an online course, I took a two day class somewhere. Um, maybe I had active learning, maybe it was passive. I'm not sure. Now Todd's making me think of this. Um, <laughs> let's talk about how people can do that reflection piece and what that might look like in different ways. Sure. Now, it, it begins with a plan or an objective. I think too many of us just like, 
I want to learn something. I'm going to go here and I'm going to hope it's going to work out for the best. But in order to have an objective improvement, something that's measurable, you should go in not only with the instructor's objectives, but your own. Mm -hmm. How is this going to advance me? I don't think a lot of us do that. I think sometimes we just think, let's try it. But we should think, plan it out. And then when we're there, we should be taking notes. We should be interacting with our, with our peers, our classmates, um, or, you know, on a discussion board, they're all viable ways and interacting with the instructor for clarification. You know, are we getting the true message that needs to be done? But the reflection comes out of how does this relate to me? How does this relate to my world, my truth? Mm -hmm. And in doing that, it gets absorbed into different parts of the brain in order Mm -hmm. to be accessed in the future. Mm, Um, whereas when it's passive, it's just a matter of luck and happenstance when certain pieces get in there. But the Mm -hmm. problem is then it's not a a dedicated, um, uh, uh, attachment or connection Mm -hmm. or links. So therefore the message can get garbled up because our Mm -hmm. brain, you know, in order to save energy and time, we'll make connections that aren't true. Um, we just kind of hear something by and by. Um, and therefore we adopt it and <laughs> sidetrack. Um, I was interacting with some of my graduate students just this morning and they're all on their own path. And so there's no wrong answer. Um, but what I try to do is just redirect them on the path. Mm-hmm. And one of them wants to study, um, his proposal. I guess I shouldn't have said he, but they're mostly, you know, males. Mm-hmm. Um, he's proposing to study how social interactions and safety culture affect workers, and, and my, res- I wanted to write the response. Well, that's like studying um, how does attractiveness affect love. It's like <laughs> if you're going to study something, it has Good. to be very direct, very concise. Uh-huh. And some of his references were from magazines, which is you know you're not supposed to do that in the class. It's supposed to be refereed, refereed peer review. So mm-hmm. redirecting, you know, again, you got to reflect on it versus what seems right in the world. It's got to be something that you can you know, really get down and look at it from a nuts and bolts perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. very much a nuts and bolts guy. You know that I like to do hands-on stuff. Um, That's why I I enjoy so much doing the, as I teach to learn Um, Mm -hmm. this past week, we did a root cause analysis on what students could do, what they should be doing in order to get better quiz scores. And we broke it down to, what we can do to prepare for lecture, what we can do inside of lecture, and what we do post-lecture. And they had the the planning of what what's going to be covered, uh, reviewing so you have an idea going into it. Um, while you're there, taking notes, asking questions, engaging, really what's the most important things, and then afterwards reflecting and talking to each other. And I, hmm. I'm just indebted to my students for being so honest. You know, this is, with, this is hilarious. So our our audience who's listening is like, wait a minute. What did he just say? Root cause analysis, but we, you used a safety practice to help students discover how to improve quiz scores. So everybody who's listening, who's a parent, remember you can use those root cause analysis for a lot of other things in life. I'm just thinking how you could apply this to kids, right? And behaviors and family things. And oh my gosh, we could use root cause analysis for lots of stuff, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, it, it's it's a it's a technique to try to uncover um, why. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. you understand why, the connection of what I do today affects what I can measure tomorrow. Uh, we sometimes realize that some, even though we're well intended to do something, that the outcome is not what we wanted. Yeah. And so, yeah. learning that is super important. I mean, I'm trying to teach my students 
that what the way I cover things in class, the way I set it up, you should be able to figure out which topics are going to be on tomorrow's quiz. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what if we did that in the workplace? That by, you know, listening to someone talk, we can kind of, you know, um, prioritize where they are, what they want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we pursue those wants in a measurable way, we're going to be more successful. They're going to be happier. And then everything works out better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So backing up a little bit to this reflection piece. So we're talking about, you know, how to how to do reflection. And, this, you know, you were talking about having a plan and an objective and really kind of reviewing what it is that you took in and how can you utilize that and to utilize it as well. Um, and that's like a solo endeavor. But reflection can happen in community as well, right? Definitely. And it it, it needs to be refereed, if you will. It needs to be controlled because otherwise it can turn into a shouting match or what you sometimes see on, on comment threads. And yeah. I've got this really bad habit of reading comment threads and mm-hmm. then attempting, and then I don't reply. I try to control my emotion, mm-hmm. which is difficult, but it's actually served me really well in my career to mm-hmm. not respond with emotion, mm-hmm. but to respond with um, logic. Curiosity. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so reflection. So you just you just talked about something. Reflection could happen in community in an online format, but it also can happen one on one as well, which I think is something that you and I often do with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, either if it's we're coming up with a new idea. And we want to, you know, test something out with one another or we want to talk about something that we just learned. We are doing that reflection in community, but, um, you know, like over the phone. Right. Which is another way to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We let, let's yeah. We could actually start talking about the uh, yeah, I, yeah, mentor <laughs> Type yeah, thing. we we can yeah we can talk about that too. But um, and yes, let's do that. But I guess um, one thing I wanted to pick up and go back to um, for people who are listening, we you know we were you explained the earner learner discerner yearner returner, and we were talking about people who are um, have higher education in safety and health practices and then how you know how you can continue to educate yourself how about our listeners who are um, not degreed because we know there's many of us out there who have taken on this this job of safety and health and are you know are are trying their best as we all are uh, but don't come with that formal education and so it it would seem to me and I don't I don't know what your thoughts are on this that 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 would be a time to really think about where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your dollars? What is your investment to be able to get the most for yourself uh, in an active learning capacity? Would, would you agree with that? I totally agree with that. Um, I mean, let's let, I'm just going to refer back to what you just brought up with the, the formal education. Yeah. Um, you know, as you move from master's to PhD, you're required to continually think about what I don't know. I don't know. Um, and my mm-hmm. my concern for the um, people who don't um, people who readily just accept what they hear as truth, mm-hmm. um, or are unwilling to at least consider a dissenting concept. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I can I, I can listen to all different types of, of concepts um, and then put them in context that we're both pursuing the same thing, but you're just taking it from one individual viewpoint. Mm-hmm. We've got to take it from multiples, um, which some people think, oh, that seems like he's intelligent because he does that. It's it's because I, I question what I'm is is what I'm saying true. Can I refer to something or can I provide measures for it? Mm-hmm. Um, can I but, prove it? But there are some people who have a natural curiosity. There are yeah. some people who have a natural um, uh, ability to contextualize to reflect on things. But then we have others that don't who mm-hmm. charge in. I know this stuff already, and you and I have dealt with that in our careers. You know, and I don't like to confront because they're on a path. If I can somehow um, provide them with some different viewpoint or, or direct them in a way that that is interesting, what you have. And I see where that comes from. But you also have to consider these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I try to do it in a kind, um, supportive way. And that's not the typical way we respond. We mm-hmm. tend to, in, especially in today's society, we tend to fight you know, mm-hmm. that there's a winner and a loser. No, there isn't. Mm-hmm. There, there mm-hmm. is a way and there's a better way. Um, and there's a way in which people can do things that are less mm-hmm. risky. And that's what we're desiring. There's a way in which people can have a planned, dedicated um, approach to their professional development and learning. And then there's the, the passive. Mm-hmm. There, there's value in passive too. But understand you're going to get, the more you think about things, which is the reflection, the more you think about where you want to be, who you want to be, working with or um, being mentored by or in a group learning um, environment, you have to pursue it. You can't just let it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so this, this critical, this critical thinking, critical learning uh, piece that you've been talking about, you know, I'm I'm thinking about how do we, how do we apply that and how can people think um, about that? We're, you know, we're, we're suggesting people ask questions and be curious um, but it also can be just backing up to some real basic principles that when we are doing our own research on something, or maybe we are reading something or reading someone's comment on something that was shared, um, you know, on LinkedIn or some other social media when it comes to our professional practice, to really look at the citations that are involved with that. You know, is this something that's true? How do I know that it's true? What is the sourcing here? You know, like we all can hit Google and ask a question like, you know, how often do you have to do medical evaluations for respirators? You know, and, you know, you want to look at what's the what's your top hit? Well, who, what's that source? Where did it come from? And, you know, I always go back to the OSHA regulations when I'm going to double check something like that, because sometimes the information that's out there, someone else wrote it better and wrapped it better. And it's easier to understand than digging into a regulation. And so if I'm using a source that I don't know, I'm always going back to confirm it. Right. And, and I mean, and I, I don't want people to think that I'm a, um, you know, a reading snob or something because I brought up the concept of a peer reviewed journal um, there are certain experts that I've, I've been able to identify, subject matter experts, that if they yeah. were just to read an opinion piece, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. You know, because it's based on background. Um, what the, the, the response I have to that is one thing that concerns me, and this was me early in my career, um, I, I operated by rule of thumb, mm. which is to say decisions were made heuristically. Hmm. That my decision-making, my actions tended to be more of an if-then, algebraic, versus yeah. a well-thought-out, 
understand what's going on, break it down and move forward. Um, humans, we tend to be um, that level of thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to train yourself to get beyond that unless you have a, a natural tendency for it. Um, and in safety, that can be detrimental mm-hmm. to react to something. And so when I when I meet new people or I'm working with students in there, oh, this situation here is here's the answer. You got to you got to pause. You got to really think it through. Um Sure, it, it you know, and you may be correct ninety percent of the time, but then you're incorrect ten percent of the time, mm-hmm. and that ten percent of the time could result in death or serious harm. Um, so, when it comes to whether it's pursuing reading with reference, pursuing um, experts, uh, it should all be taken with judgment. Um, and I, I hate using these terms. Um, do you remember when you brought your son to UMD? And he's like, what do you, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a, um, an optimistic pessimist. You know, (laughs) I want things to work, but I constantly am critical and I question, but I do it in a kind way. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would hope that people would see that if your initial response to reading something is, this is garbage. Is it, you got to look at it from the, from the, from the, the, the writer's perspective Mm -hmm. Um, or just say, oh, this, this agrees with everything that I've lived. So this must be correct. Mm-hmm. That that's a bias too. Mm-hmm. The writers um, or the or the listeners' perspective. If you're listening to someone do a presentation, same thing. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not trying to bring people down or anything like that. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to do is be more realistic. Mm-hmm. That um, if we, I guess, the best thing people can do is through their own opportunities to train or educate. Look for feedback from the listeners. Look for feedback from the students. That's how I've gotten to where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, to expect failure, to learn from failure, to improve thyself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, and I've been talking to students about that, that yep. don't think of it as a right or wrong answer. Think of it mm-hmm. of this is what I expect. Did I get what I expect? If I didn't, what can I do differently? Mm-hmm. The continuous improvement cycle. I know some people are thinking, oh, plan, do, check, act. Yeah, I've been bringing that up in class every lecture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so if people are thinking, gosh, I'm just on the edge of, I, I need to, you know, I'm thinking about signing up for, you know, some kind of seminar or, you know, a, a class or I'm seeking, I'm I'm seeking education on something like I have a, I have a friend right now who's um, looking into a class to learn more about explosive dust. Um, and you know, someone who's been in our practice for a good 15 years and, and she's looking for a class because she needs education because it impacts um, her work right now. So if people are looking for those kind of things in our wider world, what should they be reading for and looking for in maybe descriptions? Um, particularly if it's a, if it's a presentation or a seminar, that is a great question. And it depends on one, their needs two. What the what resources they have available? Yeah, um, there there there's a lot of free material out there, which is fantastic. But so you not can self educate. Yes, right? yes, self-educate. right. So you don't uh, always have to spend money learning. We can self educate too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, there's the identity. There's network. Let's go back to networking. I mean, not back to it, but let's talk networking. If yeah. you have a strong network, then you have the expertise within it. Yeah. Because um, okay. I mean, people that you know, you've told them contact me, and then I can guide them. Yep. Um, 
And so for me, that's, that's the easiest way. If I have a question, I've got a network of people I can go to. Um, if people ask me that they need, you know, a certification or some sort of um, specific training, I begin with local and online because mm-hmm. um, travel is expensive. Um, but if you, I mean, it, and it depends on how much you're going to use it. You know, if I need a little bit of knowledge to do this, then a little bit will do. But if it if it's a big deal, you know, if it's something you're going to be doing, it's going to be part of your um, your career. It's going to be part of your expertise. Mm-hmm. Then you may actually have to search out going to a place and learning in a group setting or face to face setting or mm-hmm. a well um, refereed online class mm-hmm. in which you have experts who are going to deliver it. They're going to provide you not only with knowledge but how to approach the issue. What are the resources available out there? And then when you get done with it, the ability to self uh, keep keep current on your own. Yeah. So again, it's what is the need and really thinking about what your need is, is important. What resources are available and then making the the best use of both your time and the money that's available. Yeah. Right. So you've, you've said before, actually in episode number seven, when you were the podcast guest before you talked about this concept of your network is your net worth, which was um, beautiful. That stuck with me. I love that. And um, you know, I think that's that's a piece of it and so our education can happen in that in our network as well and and important to do that reflection like you said for for the for the learning so things are transferring and sticking in our brains um when we're when we're talking with our cohorts right and i mean yeah. so people might be thinking where do i start i'm on my yes own. yes because um, when people go to a university they have it's 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 like built in you know, they got their they got their professors, they have the guest speakers, they've got the events, they've got tours, they've got their cohort. You know, it's it's kind of built in. LinkedIn is an interesting um, experiment in which you can reach out to people. You can see who they are and reach out to them. But the problem is it tends to be passive. It tends to be indirect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where um, if people just a Google search as far as a local safety council a local ASSP chapter, a local whatever their expertise is, um, or join an association and become part of a technical group. So you're with like-minded people. Um, and then dedicating time, I, I, I think time each week, you know, just to watch, see what's coming up, what's coming down the, um, mm-hmm. the pipe, um, interacting with people, starting to identify who you would consider experts in certain areas and possibly attempting to find mentors or mm-hmm. advisors, mm-hmm. who is someone who's willing to invest time into providing you uh, with not only advice, but critical feedback mm-hmm. for improvement. Because you don't want a yes person mm-hmm. who's just like, thumbs up, everything's great. Um, mm-hmm. You want them to be truthful. Mm-hmm. You want them to be critical. Because, I mean, um, an unchallenged muscle doesn't grow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and so what you were talking about, you know, LinkedIn being an interesting experiment, um, so if someone is wanting to use a platform like that to grow their network or or be able to ask those questions when you're trying to figure something out, don't be shy for anyone who's listening to reach out directly and ask for a conversation. Um, that is a way to grow your network. I've definitely met some fabulous, fabulous people from my network on LinkedIn by sending them a message and saying, could we have a phone call? And being able to talk with them in that way. This morning I was um, reading LinkedIn. Someone had shared 
um, uh, a, an article about the coronavirus, which is something that's top of mind right now. And uh, my company is getting questions about, you know, what can we do to educate our workforce? How can we protect people? And so that particular um, paper interested me. And so I, I opened it. I read it. I looked at the sourcing. I looked at the author and I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to come back to because this is probably a person I want to send a message to and say, hey, could we have a conversation? I want to know more about this. And where else can you send me for more information? And so, you know, don't be shy. Um, if you're if you're new to safety and health or if you've been at it a long time, it's okay to say, hey, can we talk? And guess what? I think I can't think of a time when someone turned me down. Right. And I mean, you know, <laughs> what's the worst thing they can say? No, I don't have time. I mean, that's yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, and I, I, I do tell students and anybody that if they reach out to me and I don't get back to them within 24 hours, contact me again. It's just because of the, you know, the quantity of emails and messages I get. Sometimes things get buried and I didn't yeah. do it on purpose. I always yeah. try to get back to people and the yeah. people have been really great and professional on LinkedIn with sending messages or um, just reaching out. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that's good. I think more people should take advantage of that. And I understand, I guess I don't understand the shyness because I wasn't born with that particular gene. Um, but if, if electronic is not your way, um, the face-to-face -face meetings, the local meetings are fantastic. Mm -hmm. These are, you know, they're all going there to advance mm -hmm. knowledge, to network. Um, you know, the bigger the conference or the bigger the meeting, the more people you meet. Um, I mean, I go to these national and regional conferences really just to talk to people and get to know people and share ideas versus sitting down in a class and trying to actually learn something. My objective is different than mm -hmm. others, mm -hmm. but um, there may be someone that you go listen to and not only do you learn something, but they really affect you. You know, mm -hmm. they, they gave you glimpses of things that you want to be. Go mm -hmm. up and meet that person, shake their That's hand, right. get their card. Um, That's right. It, it, it's not like you're asking them to make life decisions for you, but um, just kind of following what they do and maybe once in a while dropping an email is mm -hmm. um, is, is helpful. Mm -hmm. it, it really um, it, it's it's a it's someone who can provide life advice, path advice, um, and possibly save you from a pitfall. <laughs> you know, because mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. some of us have been through it mm -hmm. all. You know, we have to make mm -hmm. all the mistakes before we make the right one. Mm -hmm. And sometimes mm -hmm. you can save time and effort by by finding those people. And there are right. a lot of people out there that want to give and share. Yeah. Um, and you can pretty much tell who they are just by either talking to them or seeing them speak for like ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about building your network, but also your mentors as well. And uh, you know, and being 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 bold. Um, and you know, like you said, it, it doesn't seem like it should be an intimidating thing, but it often can be for people to reach out. I know that, um, just for this podcast alone, when I reach out to someone to be a guest, um, I've noticed this pattern. It's, um, it's a sad pattern, but it's a pattern that I've noticed when I ask, um, anyone who's male to be my podcast guest almost a hundred percent of the time I get a yes, I will do that. When I ask a woman to be a podcast guest, they say, mm, I'm not sure I'm smart enough to be on the podcast. Oh no. I don't know if I, I've listened to it. There's a lot of smart people, 
Yes, we have a lot of smart people on our podcast, and they are of all stripes and backgrounds, of all professional and training and not training, and people who taught themselves, and people who are just starting out, and people who've been at it for way longer than you and I. Um, and so I, I end up most of the time doing coaching with women and saying, you have a story. You have something to share that's important and interesting. And yes, you can do this. Uh, so ladies, <laughs> if you're listening and you want to be on this podcast, you are smart enough. <laughs> you know, it's just this interesting, interesting dynamic where women ask me a lot more questions. What are you going to ask me? What is it going to be like? What can we talk about? And so I spend a lot more time on that. Um, you know, so it is intimidating sometimes to reach out to a network. Um, just know that it, this, our profession, I feel in the quarter century, you and I have been at this. Um, it's a really welcoming place. Um, I haven't found people who have been like, I'm too good for you. You know, I'm not going to talk to you. Right. And <laughs> that, that's sure, not there, happened. <laughs> there are abrasive people in our field. There's abrasive, There's abrasive people, people every everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, and I see who they are. And, yeah. but the thing is I'm at the point where, Hey, that's their deal. Yeah, um, don't right. take things so personal. I know a lot of people do that. And I mean, I've got a few identified people on a mm -hmm. list that I'm like, you know, I'll take them with a grain of salt. Um, they tend to replicate their attitude depending on where they're posting or when they're presenting yeah. But that's their thing. And I mean, I've almost come to appreciate it. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, uh -huh. sometimes you need people who stir the paint, you know, yeah. get things moving or get discussions going on. Um, sure. it, it's good to have debates, you know, because then you really get to challenge what your mm -hmm. beliefs are. If mm -hmm. everybody just agreed on the same thing, how would we ever progress? Right, right, um, right. But don't people need to stop taking things so personally. Mm -hmm. Um Mm -hmm. I, I, I say that, you know, almost tongue, kind of tongue in cheek because they react the way they're going to react. That's mm -hmm. the way it is. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. perhaps part of this, you know, professional development, part of this guiding of people should be more. We should have more mindfulness type um, training. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Something that I brought into my classes. If the, if the students are all over the place, we stop lecture. We do a mindfulness exercise. I got to bring them back. Mm -hmm. um, that when people go listen to someone speak and it's like, oh, it didn't agree with what I have lived or they feel that they've detected some form of um, attitude, um, they feel attacked. Oh, I hated that presentation or I hated that person. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. your own personal view. You're, you're preventing yourself from being um, honest and truthful. So you what are. Does, so what does that look like in your class? You said you stop and do a mindfulness exercise. What do you have them do? I've got uh, three different YouTube videos um, uh, on the ready. They're about five minutes each. Mm -hmm. um, I close I close the shades, turn off the lights. I play the video. And so it takes people through maybe like a breathing exercise or something? To yeah, it's it's okay. mentally. I think all three of them have some form of thinking. Think of your feet, how they feel in your shoes. Think of yeah. your legs. Think of your buttocks mm -hmm. going all the way. I don't think it says buttocks. I'm making it up as I go. <laughs> But no, it's it, a, it brings it's it to a guide, it's a guided meditative practice. It's a guided <laughs> meditative process. Exactly. Yeah. To mm -hmm. yes, you have other things to think about or you're tired mm -hmm. or you're hungry, whatever it is. But mm -hmm. for the next 45 minutes, we need you in the now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And is and it to be working positive to kind of, too. is it, is it working to bring your students back? It does. They actually enjoy yeah. it. I think they yeah. must've received it somewhere else. So it's yeah. a, it's a great practice for all of us to stop. You know, you yeah. were talking, you were talking earlier about a reflection on learning, but it's, it's, it's 
reflection can be in that way as well, you know, where we stop and, um, and are reflecting. Maybe sometimes that's why some of our best ideas are in the morning when we first wake up. Because yeah, we've right. Had that, we've had that time of quiet. We've quieted our brains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And when people do training, I know people get frustrated with, oh, the workers aren't paying attention. Or, or they're, they're, you know, making comments. Learn from it. Find out yeah. what is the source of it. How can mm-hmm. you connect to them? Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've, you know, had to swallow a lot of pride in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and at Same. times, yes, I, I may be responding from an emotional perspective, but you just got to go through your own meditative, um, exercises, get back to it. What is going to make us progress? How are we going to learn and get better? Mm-hmm. Fighting is not going to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I got to understand from their perspective. Um, and, and again, I'm going to be not again, I keep saying that because you and I talk offline so much. So I think it's more yeah. of a one-on-one. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be producing and posting videos on my YouTube channel and on LinkedIn on the things I'm doing in the classroom, things mm-hmm. that have been successful for me to create more of a, an active, um, learning environment for my students. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. people can take that and apply it to their own professional development, I think they'll see a marked improvement, not only in what they're learning, but their attitude towards it. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing we just talked about in class is that one of the basic human traits is um, pleasure-seeking, pain avoidance. Some people label that uh, hedonism, that Mm -hmm. I need you guys to enjoy coming here, to to enjoy being challenged, Mm -hmm. to understand when to ask for help and how to ask for help properly. These are the skills we need these students to have when they leave school. It's going to make them more successful. It's going to make them better workers and uh, people are going to want to work with them versus what did you get on that one test? What was your GPA? Mm-hmm. Which is supposed to be a reflection of those things, but they're not. There's some yeah. indirect going on there. Yeah. yeah. So if people can develop that within themselves, then they don't have to rely on um, you know mentors or guides or instructors to bring it to them. I'm trying to instill that into them. Again, mm-hmm. bachelor's degree, you are the learner. Master's degree, you're the discerner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Todd, let's, let's talk about and just give people some, maybe some, some questions they can be asking themselves, um, both, uh, some questions to be asking when they're looking into some kind of professional development, whether that's, whether that's trying to do something where they're self-teaching and so they're going to do some, they're, they're going to do some reading on something, whether they're signing up for a seminar, um, they're going to a conference, what are those what are those questions they should be asking before they sign up for it? And then, and then let's turn that like, oh crap, it's too late. I forgot to do what Dr. Todd suggested. I'm already here, <laughs> you, you know? Sure, so let's, sure. let's do, let's do that before sort of reflective. Should I sign up for this thing? What questions should you be asking yourself? Right. And I, and what's interesting too, is when we have to justify an investment um, yeah, to our employer, right. mm-hmm. These are things we should be doing anyway, and that is the planning of it, to really thinking of, we had, we had talked about it earlier in this podcast, how is it going to contribute to my career or my mindset or to, to the value for my employer? Think of it from that perspective. Um, I know some people are like, I want, a vac- I want a paid vacation. I'll go to this conference. It's in Orlando or someplace nice. Okay, that, that's a difference. You know, at yep. that point, then you're, you're satisfying it just by getting approval and going. But if yeah. you really, truly want to learn, and it can come in so many different forms um, to think about how it's going to affect you. What is yeah. the what is the marked improvement? What changes are you looking for? Um, or is it is it passive? 
and, and you can accept that as well, that I'm going to this meeting. I really don't have any plans to learn anything. So what can you do while you're there? You know, um, can you expand your network? Um, is, you know, are, are you identifying potential mentors? Uh, are you just going for verification of what you already know? Yeah. But to remain positive, I think is the key. I think sometimes, and Jill, you'll know this too, when you go do a presentation, you've got a handful of people that no matter what you'd say, if you taught them how to turn, you know, iron into gold, they'd still hate you for it. Mm-hmm. You know, there are going to be yeah. the negative people. Those are the people yeah. that aren't really learning. They're preventing mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. So if you get to a place and you didn't plan it out, but you're there. Yeah. What be at least be positive, at least be active, really listen, reflect while you're in there. Look at the people around you, maybe jot mm-hmm. down a few things. Do you want to go up and meet this person after they're done? Um, or with, say it's a, it's a webinar or whatever. Do I need to follow up with this person? Do I have questions? Should I take this to LinkedIn or another social media site? Mm-hmm. Do something. Mm-hmm. Be positive. Have so the, it be a learning yeah. experience and not a critical yeah. way for me to vent experience because that doesn't benefit you or anybody. Mm-hmm. So that you can so that you can have something stick in the brain, like you were talking about earlier. So Todd, let's let's um talk about maybe some pitfalls. What what do you feel maybe keeps people away from professional development or the or the the pursuit of it or you know taking that first step? Well, I think um, in many ways, it's maybe people who haven't been afforded the ability or the uh, afforded the opportunity, excuse me, um, to have a mentor, a strong mentor to guide them mm-hmm. that they they view or they I'm sorry, they perceive um, going to a conference, going to a meeting, you know, signing up for a webinar as a waste of their time. They just it isn't a um, an acknowledgement that. Um, maybe I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm referring to earlier concepts. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, okay, realistically, time is probably the first, money is the second. But when it comes down to things are available for free and it only takes an hour of your time, um, I think it comes down to the person just not fully appreciating um, the, uh, for me, it's the enjoyment. I mean, I love to be constantly learning. I'm always searching it out, even when, you know, it's like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's still good because it's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking as an as a overweight guy. Um, <laughs> way off track, Todd. Um, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but, you know, but, I think it can also be perceived as something fluffy, right? Right, exactly. But there, but mm-hmm. I still think there's always something to glean, you know, from every experience, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's really how you approach it. It's how you approach it. It's your willingness to... Um, Maybe let go of preconceived notions, let go of, you know, I, I already know this stuff. I'm just going to argue with you um, to allow yourself to take notes, to reflect during the presentation, to talk to people about it after the presentation. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's I think that would help out, you know, mm-hmm. again, a if if everyone, not everyone, but if if, if a listener is like, yeah, I've never been um, that engaged in my own learning or I don't really have ever thought about the importance or the value of professional development um, to challenge yourself, give yourself, you know, the opportunity to try it out Mm -hmm. and to think about it prior. How is it going to, you know, how is it, how am I going to gain something from it? Um, 
you know, I look up speakers before I go to their presentation. So I know a little bit about their background, but that's me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a unicorn, you know, in an imaginary world um, because I'm continuously, and I, and I, you know, again, it's like pizza. I'll, I'll take it, I'll take it cold. I'll take it with (laughs) stuff on it, without stuff on it. It doesn't even look like a pizza. Mm -hmm. Um, I like, I like, I like learning in all forms, but, and then I am constantly reflecting on it. And trying to reformat it, you know, I come up with these interesting catchphrases mm-hmm, because I'm mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do the same thing. And so I, I, I and I think it's because of my my attitude. Um, one, two would be the the training. You know, what do I enjoy? I enjoy learning. I enjoy mm-hmm. getting to know people. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I you know I think um, to give yourself perf- permission as a professional that this is part of our practice. It is part of our professional discipline is professional development and that you should seek it out. It's a worthy thing to do and that you're worth it. Your career is worth it. And stopping to take that time to do it with some kind of frequency at a cadence that feels right for you um, is important for your, for your development. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. So as we um, as we we're starting to draw to a close here, Todd, what um, what words of wisdom, parting words, um, would you like to share with our audience? Um, I, I mean, I'm going to refer back to the themes. I think that have kind of drawn out. I mean, yeah, I think of it like with my students, like listen for certain mm-hmm. things. When I when I start repeating things or stress certain mm-hmm. things, write it down. Um, so for listener, write this down. There's a quiz that's going to happen later. Um, <laughs> First is to is for for everybody just to kind of frame um, where they are in their career, where they want their career to go, or how they're how they're doing at work, and attempt to identify where things could improve. I like to put you know numbers to it. I'm a data guy, uh, but you don't exactly have to start there. You can mm-hmm. start subjectively to identify what is needed, what you could do differently, um, to question what don't what what I don't know, what I don't know. Um, but most importantly is have a good attitude to try to elicit um, enjoyment from it. Though Those are my big recommendations. And I realize time and money is a, is a restraint. I know that. Um, and I, I'm afforded um, the luxury of um, not having those limitations because of who I am in my career. Um, so obviously, you know, I was cut out for what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just because it's, it's baked into the cake. When, it when is. You're a university yeah. And professor. so, mm-hmm. People are like, oh, you get to go to all these conferences and stuff. But I mean, I'm typically presenting at them. I'm trying to develop, mm-hmm. you know, research and publication. So I'm I'm adding to the pile. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm not pulling from the pile. I'm adding to it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, if people could just really take a little bit of time, like you had said, like a cadence of time a day. You know, I have a long drive to work. And, you know, that, that 45, 50 minutes is so great to reflect and think about things. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of my great ideas pop into my head while I'm taking a shower or just drinking coffee in the morning, trying to get the kids out the door. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a lot. Well, that's where some of my bigger ideas come from. And then it's a matter of sitting down and writing it down. So I'm surrounded by scratches of paper right now that I hopefully can turn into something, Mm -hmm. you know, as I, as I move forward. And it, again, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a continuous process for me, but if you have limited resources, Mm -hmm. it may become just a regular thing and that's fine too. Yeah. Got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, we may be unicorns and I'm sure there are other unicorns in our listening audiences where, I hope where, so. where, where we're often reflecting, you know, like 
And reflection comes at the craziest time. You know, I've been thinking a lot about our labor market lately and where job growth is in our in the United States at this at this time. And, you know, as as the company that I'm working for, as we're developing um, solutions for different employment sectors, I'm always looking at, you know, where is that growth happening? Where are things happening? And so this is my unicorn moment, you know, ripped from the headlines this morning. I'm in my CrossFit class and um, we're doing this really long workout and I'm rowing and rowing and rowing on this machine. And I start to look at everybody who's in the class and I'm like, hmm, wonder what the statistics are in this class of what this employment sector looks like of the people in my class. You know, there's 11 people in the class this morning. Six of them are in healthcare. One's an engineer, one's an accountant, um, one is in tech. And I'm like, yep, that's exactly what the BLS is saying of the growth market right now. It's in mm-hmm. healthcare. And I'm like, you know, that's how my head works. Right. Welcome to the weird side. <laughs> it is interesting how I feel. I'm always monitoring the uh, employment um, posts. Mm-hmm. And man, this week, I don't know what it is, but I have a lot of people asking me to share openings. And they are all levels. Entry, three to five years, 10 plus. All over the United States, it just, it just... I, I thought there was going to be kind of a curve or a reduction in the demand, but it seems to keep going up. It's That's great crazy. news. That's great news for us. That's great it news is. for us. Yeah. But then we need people to be um, valuable to those employers too. You mm-hmm. know, pursue knowledge, pursue work, and document it so you can show it to them either in resume or interview. Yeah, yeah. So what was something real recently that you did for professional development, whether it was something you you read or went to or... Like, what's something in your recency? Well, I mean, as a because I'm an instructor, I charge myself to review all my coming weeks, lectures and content. And I pride myself on trying to remain current and updating things. And it's just interesting. <laughs> Coincidentally, I have to write a couple chapters for the next version of the Safety Professionals Handbook. And one of the topics hmm. is record keeping. And so in spending, I spent a, a decent amount of time on the OSHA website looking at their record keeping, but then really thinking about, and then we just covered root cause analysis and how root cause analysis is not at all represented in what is required for record keeping and mm-hmm. how, well, how does that then um, result in the type of data and reports we have? Mm-hmm. And if that's what we have and we're judging ourselves on it, are those the right measures? Mm-hmm. So what it's doing is it's forcing me to think of things beyond what is known right now. So then I go and pursue them mm-hmm. and it turns into class projects. It turns into um, potential research proposals. Um, so when it comes to, you know, if you ask me, oh, you know, I, I go to conferences, I go to meetings. I was at a, um, one I reflected on, it was a, a joint ASSP Wisconsin chapter and the Waukesha Area Safety Council. We had um, a lawyer come in and talk about, of course, yeah, I get put on the spot. I can't remember exactly what it was, mm-hmm. but they were talking about um, things like fit for duty um, and other changes to the our state work comp laws. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting. I've been reflecting on it since. Hmm. about Hmm. how things change year to year. And here we have someone who's speaking at it from a perspective of, I've been in the court trying these cases, that here's what the law says, this is what's being discussed in the court. And it's so interesting that you have, you know, standards and laws, but then you have the actual practice and how it's being 
mm-hmm. um, uh, deliberated on or, or argued in court. And it's just, it's so interesting. Because you, you, then what I do is I extrapolate these thoughts to other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, again, mm-hmm. it, it's just, and then I got to meet some great people there too. Mm-hmm. You know, I invested, you know, an hour and a half of my time and a little bit of driving time. And I was afforded this great opportunity to meet these people who are in my field. They have great backgrounds and experiences. And I got to hear from this lawyer who I never would have thought of reaching out to. And now I'm connected with. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I, I always had... try. I, uh, one last thing is I always try, uh-huh. try to make a point of, especially, you know, when I have a chance to go up to a speaker is to thank them. Mm-hmm. You know, for Me sharing too. their expertise, for sharing their yeah. stories, um, and I think more people should do that. Yeah, and I think more speakers need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I had—I guess I would call what I had this week um, accidental professional development. It was something that I wasn't intending um, for. I guess enjoyment, and because I'm really a geek when it comes to listening to excellent speakers like I I love to listen to people speak and how they craft a presentation and how they do it and the study of it and I had an opportunity this week to listen um, for the first time in my life to a Nobel laureate speak um, in person and he was speaking at um, a university that's not too far from me and uh, he's also the um, former president of Columbia and he won the um, the Nobel Peace Prize for um, brokering um, peace with a um, with a, between two groups in his country, a warring guerrilla group, and he was so fascinating to listen to. And as I was listening to him, I kept thinking, "Oh, I wish I had a piece of paper," because there's things that he was saying about how he built and worked peace for peace, and how he actually constructed it. He like described the construction of how he did that and with whom he met, who was his, who were his network of advisors, who were the people that he sought out to build a plan to broker a peace deal. And it was fascinating. And as he was talking about those building blocks, my geeky safety brain was going on. And I was thinking, man, the principles that he applied for this is how you can also build what we call culture. Right. Um, You know, we're all striving toward making, uh, you know, everybody talks about the safety culture, safety climate. And I thought, oh, President Santos is talking about peace in the same way that we could frame building culture. And so luckily it was recorded. And in my reflection, you know, I didn't, thanks for teaching me today, Todd, we always have everything to learn. I didn't, you know, I didn't know about this either. And so I did reflection on this. Afterward, I found the recording. I listened to it again. I got out my pencil and paper and I'm writing down these things that he had said. And it's inspired me to, you know, how can I frame this for a blog post that I can share with people and what I learned from from a Nobel laureate about how we can build um, a culture. So that and it makes you thing. feel better too, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. It was just, it was just fun. So I, I guess I'm going to consider that my professional development this week. <laughs> <laughs> now we had told our audience that we were going to ask some questions throughout, and I don't know. We we did a little bit of that, but um, 
let's 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 do an invitation. So for anyone who wants to um, hop on over to our Facebook community group for the podcast, the Accidental Safety Pro, and when we release this recording on LinkedIn, if you're listening and you want to, you know, contribute to a conversation, start a conversation or ask someone, hey, can we have a phone call and talk about this? Let's do that. So questions for you. Um, you know, what are you doing now for your professional development? Um, how much time are you investing in it? How much cost? Are you finding ways to do it for no cost? Um, you know, what is it, what is it bringing to you? Todd, what questions would you have for our audience? Uh, again, because we're unique in our situation, I want to know um, if people would share what some of their pitfalls are or okay. um, um, their concerns about pursuing professional development. It can be in any form. You know, what, yeah. what forms are available to you? What have you... Um, and I think last, and I keep bringing this up and it kind of, this, this was, this self germinated during our, our podcast. This wasn't our web, whatever you want to call it, our discussion, mm-hmm. um, is the attitude, you know, the, the attitude you bring to listening to someone speak, uh, the attitude you bring into reading what someone has written, um, that, that creates, that makes a lens in how you perceive and process that opportunity, that learning opportunity. And maybe we could talk about that too a little bit, have people kind of speak to it that um, maybe some people just kind of had a bad attitude toward professional development. Maybe that's been preventing it and that you shouldn't bring emotion to it. You know, even though we work in a very emotional trade, Mm -hmm. um, I think that learning is meant to be more objective, Mm -hmm. more sort of um, free from passion um, and, tr- and treat it that way, mm. you know, be more objective, be more measurable, be more planning, be more reflective. This is what, th- this, that's how you really advance and not mm. through, you know, preventing yourself from, um, failing because failing safe is what we really want. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm coining a term from Todd Coughlin. You know, mm. I, I like when he said that, um, it's the thing too. We take nuggets from different, you know, speakers, different experts. Todd Coughlin says fail safe. Ron Gantz was, we're all really focusing on the same thing. It's just how you picture the problem in context. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm riddling off names and I have a ton of other people that I listen to and read. Um, and I just, there are nuggets I take that, yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. I'm going to kind of adopt that as a principle. And so, you know, if people could think about what are their principles for learning and share that with each other, I think an open discussion, a positive discussion um, toward what can we do, what's available out there would be beneficial to all. Yeah. Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming back to the podcast. I really appreciate it. I love it. (laughs) And thank you all for spending your time listening today. And more importantly, thank you for your contribution, making sure your workers, including your temporary workers, make it home safe every day. If you'd like to join the conversation about this episode, as we've invited you to, or any of our episodes, you can follow our page and join the Accidental Safety Pro community group on Facebook. If you haven't subscribed yet and want to hear past or future episodes, you can subscribe in iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, or any other podcast player you'd like. You can also find all of our episodes with transcriptions at vividlearningsystems.com podcast. We'd love it if you could leave a rating and review us on iTunes as well. It really helps us connect the show with more and more of us safety and health professionals. 
If you have a suggestion for a guest, including if it's you, you can please reach out to me at social at vividlearningsystems.com. Special thanks to Will Moss, our podcast producer. And until next time, thanks for listening.